Hello Black, Triple One, One One One. Shout out to all y'all whose angel number is One 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 or whatever. Is that is that an angel number One One One? I didn't know that Triple Seven is. I didn't know that. Is it pairs of threes? Is that what? Three 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 is an angel number. I think One 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 is an angel. I don't know. Well, if it's your angel number, <laughs> Episode One Eleven. You feel me? Rocking, still strong, nigga. Still outside. You feel me? Doing the work. Talking that talk and y'all know where shit to, with Y'all know where to find niggas when you can't find us online. Outside. But nigga. we don't know where to find y'all when y'all not online. Hello. So <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Online in real life. You know where we at, nigga. Straight up. <laughs> Oakland, California. Yes, Home sir. of the Black Panther Party. Fifty five years ago, bro. Fifty five years ago, man. Right, right up the street. Merritt College, right Oakland City College. Yeah, right up the street. You know, it's history right in front of us. A blueprint right in front of us. Real direction right in front of us. Real material action right in front of us. You know, so now, obviously on this episode, we're we going to talk about the 55th anniversary and the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Shoot, just the blueprint that the Black Panther Party laid. And the groundwork that lay for us, and you know, free all the political prisoners, free them all, uh, all the people who was assassinated, martyred, you know, that that they with us, you know what I'm saying? Like that nigga Q was saying last night, we don't die. <laughs> we here today talking about the party, yep. those who was living, still still rocking, still organizing, those who's behind bars, still organizing, still fighting against this racist, white supremacist, settler colonial machine. And we got to speak, you know, we got to look at the Panthers in their entirety too often. You know, you get reductions on both sides, whether it's niggas that want to reduce them to just gun slanging uh, radicals or you get niggas who want to reduce them to aesthetics uh, in their programming. Right. And make it seem like they were missionaries and and charities. And so if you got to have the theoretical, the ideological and the practical, that's how you look at the Panthers as a whole. Uh, You should check out a piece that we wrote and published last week. Yep. Uh, it's on our... People's Programs Medium. People's pro- If you go to peoplesprograms.com, is it? Yeah. yeah peoplesprograms.com, yeah. go to writings, you'll see it. Or go to Medium. Or go to our Patreon. Yeah. It's on our Patreon too. Patreon.com slash help black pot. Shout out to patrons. But, yeah, we here. 55 years later. And the message of the Black Panther Party still rings true today. Yeah. We've seen repression. We saw the repression of the Panthers through COINTELPRO. We're seeing the constant repression today. Uh, COINTELPRO never died, and that repression is, is still existing, trying to uh, knock off radicals or knock off the revolutionaries, and they is trying to put up this new uh, colonial class of neoliberals co-opting the movement right in front of our eyes. You know, so we've seen the legacy of the Black Panther Party. Being co-opted, but you know, you can't co-opt the real. The real are always going to persevere. The real are always going to win, and the revolution are always going to win. They can't we erase always, all history, bro. Like as much bad. as the they devil tries, erase, they can't erase all history. We, <laughs> they might make it to where we gotta go really dig for that shit because if you search the, if you search them now, you might see pictures of uh, you know activists, paid actors from last year out there marching in Atlanta. You know, you might see movies. You might you you might see Beyonce dancing on stage. Like they're trying to erase them. They trying to erase, especially if you think about you know, in the next ten years there'll be next ten to fifteen years there'll be a generation of folks who their first introduction to the Panthers will be these movies 
will be these pictures, these posters, will be these halftime performances, will be the pictures of people invoking their names and invoking their spirits. And so if if we know the propaganda machine to, to function how it does, they are trying to erase shit and they're trying to reduce. And that's why it's up to us and as many people as possible uh, who really believe in the radical traditions and, and stances of the Panthers to, to tell the stories of them in their entirety. Uh, t- to highlight their very anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. anti-imperialist, anti-colonial stances, their yeah. very new African, uh, pan-African, revolutionary nationalist stances, right? Thousand percent, I think. I know on last episode, we talked about class struggle and part of exposing how the Black Panther Party is being co-opted is a part of class struggle, right? Because the neo-colonial class is purposely co-opting it for their own capital gain. The state is purposely co-opting it so that we don't ever see a resurgence of the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. of the political identity, mm-hmm. of the cultural identity that the Black Panther Party had, right? So part of class struggle is exposing the contradictions, the uh, Beyonce's, uh, the paid actors dressing up like Panthers for their own uh, spying operation type shit or to co-opt it and turn it into a cultural nationalist thing when it was real revolution, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Uh, changing property relations. It's, you know, it's, so it's that's, not, this, yeah. this, this, this is class struggle right here is, is naming those contradictions. Yep. And then part of class struggle is now picking up that torch and looking through at the evolution of mm-hmm. the party. Right. And as Jalil coined, building decolonization programs to free the land, yep. you know, the evolution of survival programs into an offensive approach where we work to build a front for the liberation of the new African nation. Yes, sir. In, in this class struggle, we expose all lies and we ground ourselves in the truths. And we let those truths guide all of our all of our programming, all of our political education. We ground ourselves in the truth because we know the uh, the oppressor, the opposition is going to try to warp our minds as a means to warping our actions. And so if they if we allow them to produce a a socioeconomic political plan that is uh, just on the aesthetic on the outside, uh, one that is a mask for black power and black liberation, you know, we, we, we know where that's going to get us. It's going to get us the same place that it's been getting us. These little tiny reforms, these very secretarian issues, right? Like addressing... Uh, Only one issue. You know, one issue at a time. Uh, reforming, uh, it'll, it'll get us representation. It'll get us black billionaires. But what does that have to do for the masses of black people? What does that have to do for the the, the, uh, the African in America? What does that have to do for the African in the West Indies, the Caribbean? What does that do for the African in Africa, right? And so we always have to, again, expose all lies and ground ourselves in the truth the truth of revolution, the positive action of revolution. And thinking about class struggle, the Black Panther Party was <laughs> class struggle. A thousand percent part of class struggle, right? And looking at just even the founding of the party, right? It started Oakland City College, right here in, in North Oakland, with Huey and Bobby, right? With black students, you know what I mean? New African youth, right? But part of that class struggle was on that campus, too. And seeing the contradictions that arose on campus, right, where both Huey and Bobby saw a contradiction to where people wanted to stay on the campus, uh, but not be outside and get into the community, which is, you know, why they evolved into the different programs, right? And to, to get really out in the community, it's like, now we got to get off this campus and get on the block. We got to get off this campus and start recruiting uh, the people on the block, you feel me? Uh, working in the streets and getting off that campus, you know, and we see... That message today, I think, is important because we so we see so many times students, uh, their activism only is limited by their colonial barriers of their college, yeah. and they ain't taking the resources off of the college and into the 
community, right? So I think that's a perfect example of class struggle is realizing the contradictions uh, on the campus and then getting the resources as much as you can from the campus, taking them to the community. Like there's ways to do it, obviously, but I think that's an important part of class struggle. Yeah, and it's you, you touching on the topic of uh, of students, um, student organizers on ca- on college campuses and shit, maybe even high school campuses too, right? But so often, I think when we're in those spaces, you hear people saying like, uh, they feel isolated on their campus. They feel, uh, you know, they feel they feel isolated. Um, and I think the way that you can check some of that isolation is getting off and getting out into that community, doing some work of real value. They always ask where you can get started. Get started in your local community because then every P, every every college institution is gentrifying some black neighborhood. Some black there, there's a there's a ghetto down the street from that motherfucker. Unless you in Idaho or something. Yeah. I mean, shit. If I would have did my research, it was probably some fucking apartments where they had hella. Uh, I mean, like the, that town in itself, Moscow was just like the proletariat. You, yeah. you had niggas working at Winco and McDonald's and shit like that. So I can only imagine, uh, like, if all the we just did some digging, I could have found probably some like trailer park ass shit. You feel me? Where like niggas should have been organizing and fight back and support them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know Huey and Bobby and and, and the other uh, folks that used to roam the hallways of Oakland City College on you know Old School Grove Street, which is now MLK. Uh, they realized that. You know, while they are doing stuff on campus, like fighting for a black studies department, uh, how can they really push these politics if it's not, if the work that they're doing is not impacting the masses of black folks, right? Like, so what is this black studies department gonna do for the folks on 56 and Gaskill that don't got no food? You feel me? Like, what is what does that mean for us to have these classes at Oakland City College when, you feel me, the poor black folks on 26 and Chestnut don't got nothing to eat? Or the kids crossing the street on market in what, 54th? 55th. 55th, you feel me? Yeah. It's getting hit, right? So, like, yeah. looking at the winds when they decided to get off campus, that legit, you feel me, was patrolling on 55th and Market and with, with guns to make sure kids could cross the street, right? That, that's a win and getting a stop-by install, right? That's a win. That's that's being a part of the community, and that's showing the community that you're for the community, right? We're going to show you through our actions that the black radical tradition is the way, that revolution is the way. Uh, revolutionary nationalism is the way we're going to do that through our actions, through our organizing, through our material programs. Because why would somebody believe you and you say you for the people, but you ain't doing nothing for the people? Why would somebody believe you if you talk about serving the people, but you ain't doing no serving? And, that, that's, and that's, that's, that's the process of class struggle, of class struggle yeah, is, is showing the people uh, that, again, we are our own liberators and that we can build these autonomous institutions in our community and realize now we, we have national unity because we see the need for this. Especially in this time of, of a time of like uh, of internet and in the in the internet being a place where you could uh, where you could essentially just create personas uh, and create images and create brands, right? Like the the thing that we gotta tell ourselves to do is something that we battle, right? Is making sure that at all times the things that because it's easy to get caught up in that wave of just like tweeting, expressing yourself, using the buzzwords, quote you know quoting the shit, uh, posting your books. It's easy to get caught in that. And I have, I too have fell victim to that. But what you have to do. Um, is if you're being critical of yourself, like something that Mal preaches, right? That self-criticism, you'll be able to check, like, hold on, that's what the Panthers did, right? Before these niggas was even even pushing Mal rhetoric, they were able to look themselves in the mirror and be like, hold on, we keep talking this, but, like, we ain't really walking it. And so if you are able to do that, you can look at yourself uh, and, you, and you can start to, once you start to recognize the, the areas where you can be better in yourself in terms of implementing practice, implementing theory into practice, you'll be able to spot the fakes from a mile away because you have so many people that have like 
truly just built brands and they've been building brands over years. I think about folks who I've been following for four years now and like, you know, they seem to have a really good grasp of the theory. Like they have literally led me to reading certain texts, but where the lapse is, where the gap is, is they don't, they're not attached to any program. And then people like to use proximity as an excuse level. Like, well, we don't know, like, um, I'm, I feel isolated. It's like, uh, I don't have any friends. Like, bro, people's program started with just us two, period. And using some resources, but using some, uh, it, it, it started with us two and then going to folks and being like baseline level, are you down to just make soup? You can't, you can't tell me it's not one person in your dorm room right now who won't even just, in your dorm building, who won't help you make some sandwiches. For the houseless folks down the street, thirty thousand people on your college campus. You can't get you can't five get people. One come person, on, bro. my nigga. Like that, come on, that damn near anti-science, my nigga. Bro, come on, like that's not like that. What are the odds that of thirty thousand people? It's only two of y'all. It's like you're the only one on campus who's ready to hand out meals. You're the only one on campus that's ready to go to these high schools and teach them the same radical theory that you've been preaching online. What are the odds? I, I don't. I can't believe it. And so, so even if you are the only person, go down to your local boys and girls club and. Tutor them kids and the odds are, it bring somebody else. You, you can go to KKK University. I'm pretty sure it's one of them niggas, one of them crackers you can get to come, to come support you. Nigga, you said KKK University. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's one empathetic cracker on that campus who, go, who, 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 like, you know, I just got put into this shit, man. I'm not really a fan of it, you know. Um, my, my dad wanted me to go here. You know, but not, the, the point is, like, get, the point is, like, you have to be critical of yourself. And once you start to be critical of yourself, you can be critical of the people around you. And that's how, again, the point being like all right we live in this time on the internet when people can craft these realities craft these personas and build these brands and how you separate the brand builders from the folks that are trying to, to propagate uh and use their their platform as a means to again spread propaganda to educate and to prop up the programs that they're doing is if you see people talking 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 but at every point they don't have a, a program that matches their level of understanding that they don't have a dialectical relationship between their theory and their practice you're they're a fraud period you got niggas who can, uh, the communist manifesto from front to back and ain't doing nothing with the, with the, with the worker and did nothing to, to, to organize the, the Amazon workers, the, the, uh, the DoorDash workers. And for me, that is a, if you have these understanding of all these texts that you, that, that shit is step by step process is laid out for you. You should be able to do, you should be able to do something. And I think one of the, the beauties of the Panthers is they had an intense political education process, right? Where they they had to have ideological struggle and have some have ideological unity, right? And that was important. But I think one of the beauties is they understood that the community is a classroom too, that the streets is a classroom, that getting outside, listening to your community, surveying your community, and seeing what your community needs by being outside and making uh, having a dialectical materialist understanding of the community. Then you can begin to build programs that serve the people. How are you going to talk about serving the people you ain't outside in the community? How are you going to talk about freeing the land or we need a revolution, but you ain't outside talking to the people? But you just inside reading them books? You inside tweeting them books? You reading them, but you ain't taking them outside? You ain't taking that knowledge you learned and educating people? You ain't putting those theories to action? And that's what the Panthers did, is they give us a guiding light of reading studying intensely, having a strong ideology, and then going outside and doing the work. From the free breakfast programs, to the shoe programs, to the visiting prison programs, buses going to prisons, to free healthcare programs, mm -hmm. to free ambulance programs, to self-defense programs. 
building real power. That's that's power. Yep. That's that's autonomy, and that's what we have to build is uh, decolonization programs. Where we have real power in the community. We have power to stop this negative force of settler colonialism, of white supremacy, of imperialism. We got to build up enough positive power to overthrow that. Without question. And so we are giving y'all a little background on, you know, um, how the Panthers got started again. You talk about Huey and Bobby being on the college campus, doing some of that organizing for a black studies department, their first win. If you go to campus. a black studies department, it's because of the Black Panther Party. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of bourgeoisie nature, natures within the uh, uh, black studies and African-American studies these days. But the foundation is this black revolution, bro. So get get your ass outside yeah. and, so, <laughs> and do, do the work for the people. Yeah, you got them getting off that campus, doing work for the people again, one of their first wins. Uh, as an off com- off campus was getting that stoplight at the busy intersection on 55th and Market, where you know it was a lot of hit and run accidents, and in some cases you had you know kids being killed. Um, but I think it's also important that we talk about where they got they, you know their their inspiration for their logo from the Lowndes County Freedom Organization, um, and I think this is important because just too too much too often you get the radical armed struggle history. Of the South erased, right? Especially in this in this current day and age, when they black, they like to blame uh, black folks in the South for shit like Trump. You know what I'm saying? Or or you, say, you see all these liberals all the time, like, oh, California, New York, look, they they're getting vaccinated and shit like that. You yeah. know, you see that all the time, like, oh, they're voting blue. It's like, bro, like, what uh, do we? Y'all just hate black people. Y'all hate new Africans. Yeah. Y'all y'all hate the black bill. And it's the it's you this know? erasure of like of the radical. Military of, of history, right? Of yeah. like, of like Fannie Lou, of Joe Pullum, of that, of 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 those folks who uh, who have who who bared arms, right? Uh, and you get this situation where they say she like, uh, what's what's some of the the fucking narrative around like uh, if that that wouldn't fly out here in California, you know, like with some of the racist shit that that crackers be doing. It's like nigga, it's not flying in the south. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> it's, it's not flying in the south. Like, do we not understand the book? We will shoot back. Or let's say <laughs> let's put it into like the historical times of like they try to make it seem like that 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 Black Panther shit was only rampant here on the West Coast uh, in New York when it's like bro it was motherfuckers in Texas doing it like they had programs everywhere bro and don't erase the radical armed struggle history of the South and so you get the Lowndes County Freedom Organization where that's where Huey and uh and Bobby got their their inspiration for the Panther um, and we should cut that clip in as to why they said they chose the Panther because the Panther. Um, Takes a defensive posture. We're uh, gonna strike back, nigga. Yeah, you, strike. You put a nigga back in the, back in the wall, nigga. and eradicate him completely, wholly, and absolutely. Some shit. I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's just you know, I think it's important to name that history that you know, too often they create the South as like, oh, black people was just fleeing from that motherfucker. Like we had to get up out of there. We like, and yeah, and people might, and people did leave and, f- and find refuge, tried to find refuge here in the North and Chicago and all these other places. But it was black folks that it was New Africans that stayed there and was not backing down either. Oh, yeah, some of the reasons why some of the that reasons civil rights yeah. movement should be erasing a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like even with King, we talked about this yesterday. Like towards the end of his shit, that nigga was applying for permits, carrying weapons, saying I'm integrating my. People it's to the, also the house. co-optation you of know? the uh, the civil rights movement too, as if there wasn't uh, armed elements within the civil rights movement, right? The deacons of defense, mm-hmm. right? We know for a fact there was armed elements within that, but it's the co-optation of history meant to uh, fit this quote unquote American assimilationist dream. That does that. There ain't no Black Panther Party without the Black South. 
There ain't the weapons. There ain't the guns. Where, where did Bobby and, and Huey <laughs> like, come from? <laughs> Talk about Bobby going to, was it Arkansas saying that's where he learned how to shoot a gun? Dude, Texas. He Texas, was learning yeah. how to shoot a gun. Huey from Louisiana. Right? And where the black southern tradition nigga was having a strap, nigga. For the safety of your own people. For the safety of your own family. That's where they learn how to tote them guns. You know what I'm saying? So that that, that was... Inherently, it's it's connected, right? That history is connected uh, uh, from the black belt to here. We we've always been connected because that's that's been our our people's home for the past two hundred fifty years. Yeah, and, and so again, we have to look at the Panthers with the historical materialist analysis, right? Like being able to look back and place ourselves in the context of that time and see what was going on, and and through that. We can prevent this erasure. We can prevent this this reductionism. Uh, and again, this is just some, some background information and an introduction to some of the stuff that they've done. Just because it could take years to truly talk about the impact that they had on not just a national but an international level, to where you see uh, offices in Britain and headquarters in in Algiers, right? Like you, you talk about uh, Huey going to Asia. You know what I'm saying? Like this, North Korea, China, <laughs> it's, it's Cuba, yeah. It's real, and it's a lot of history there, and you and they not teaching this in classes. They not, they not, they not putting this in movies. And the Panthers were internationalists. They understood fundamentally that to end the if we're gonna talk about if we're talking about ending imperialism, of course we're gonna have to have an international outlook because what is imperialism? International ploy. It's expanding international domination <laughs> and the extraction of resources rule. through. <laughs> Colonizing other places through setting up coops, CIA backed coops, through setting up neocolonial uh, presidents and whatnot. So we have to have an international analysis if we was going to end an empire, an uh, empire that has military bases in every African country except Eritrea, <laughs> as military bases throughout West Asia, military bases throughout the Middle East. Mm-hmm. We gotta have an international analysis uh, and, and build a international front of African peoples and oppressed peoples throughout the world, and that's what the Panthers was doing. That's why they was going to North Korea. That's why they was going to China, right? That's why they was in Cuba, right? So we have to have an international outlook uh, to free the land from Euro-American control, and that's that's another uh, big thing we got to study and learn from the Panthers. Is they was internationalists. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fundamentally. 100%. And I, I think it's really important that when we look, we, we analyze this type of history just because it could take things from being idealistic to, to very practical. Right. Especially as we addressed earlier, we're like, all right, starting with a small group, like the Panthers went from a small student led organization to a international cadre organization. You know what I'm saying? Like a revolutionary front. From it started with just a small group of people. You know, we look at people's programs. We say, okay, it started with just me and you saying that we'll be the ones to to push the to push the organization, and we'll get volunteers where we can to having a central committee, to having a um, a full membership process, right? Over over the course of years, and I even think about like I think when Marcus Garvey, when uh, I can't remember who his co-founder was. You know, I just finished fucking history of Pan African Revolt, but they talk about the you um, and I, yeah, the group, the, the growth of his organization. Like, it was just him and the co-founder, right? And they started with two and fucking actually I took notes, so let me stop looking, right? If we had a producer, y'all, y'all don't understand. <laughs> um if we had a producer, 
you know, I'll be able to just like say things and they could pull it up or me and B will be able to like tell them things that we want to talk about beforehand. But sometimes how this shit happens is you just start talking about shit. Uh, and, you know, ideas come up that you that you didn't know you were going to talk about. OK, so Amy Garvey. No, not Amy Garvey. Uh, Amy Ashwood. Was she going to marry him? No, they got married. Well, Amy Ashwood Garvey. Okay. So in 1914, uh, Garvey and Ashwood founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association in Kingston, Jamaica, right? And by the, uh, by 1916, when he was going back to the States, they only had 17 members. Then by 1919, three years later, they had 5,000 members. Then by 1924, five years later, it was estimated they had like between 2 million to 5 million, like, you know, People don't know exactly what it is, but it was in the millions, right? And so I, I bring that up to say, you know, uh, to be like, to allow it to motivate people. Because you can start from something small and you have no idea what it's going to go to. I'm pretty sure. Like, Huey and Bobby started two people. <laughs> you know, and then like, boom, now you got fucking. UNIA uh, started two people. Yeah, two people, but, bro. And that's why it's, everything starts small. Everything starts small. Shoot. Cuban Revolution. Who to start with? You know what I'm saying? All, everything starts with. A small amount of people, and then what is your your goal, and what is your task to build? <laughs> you just take it day by day. And I, I mean, even you were talking the other day. I'm like, you, you know, we we're talking about how we always envisioned us having like central committees and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if I could, I didn't. I didn't think it would go like this. Like I couldn't imagine it in my head. Maybe because I didn't have enough of a historical understanding. Right, I hadn't done enough of my studies yet. Uh, now I know like what this is supposed to look like five years from now. Um, and that's the process. Of studying and organizing at the same time. If you studying and organizing at the time, same time, you was going to naturally evolve your political thinking, right? And I think that's that's something that we got to give ourselves props on as we read Revolutionary Suicide, To Die for the People, and knew exactly what next step we needed to do. And through that, it was a, a, a dialectical process of evolving, of building out more programs, having health clinics, having grocery programs, Building a central committee, you know, so people got to understand those processes. Like, right? if it's your first year organizing or first year creating some, you know, you got to understand that there's a process of building, right? And that's not saying like, oh, just you know, make your book club and that's that. No, <laughs> we ain't saying that. It's start your breakfast program first, or if the breakfast program isn't needed, start a grocery program, you know, and, and start building those programs gradually. Because if you are revolutionary, you a, a revolutionary is all encompassing. Socialism is all encompassing. It's not secretary, and it's not we're going to address this, then address that. Then it's not we're going to have a plan that addresses this, that's simultaneously addressing this, and they're all integrated and they're dialectical, they're connected. Um, and yeah, like you, PE is very important, especially as it pertains to class struggle, because one of the main elements of class struggle is raising consciousness, and you raise consciousness not only through your programming, but through your reading and learning about the systems and learning about your. Uh, place as uh, a you know for us as a new African being subjected to Western imperialism right um, and so you need to you need to read you need to study but you should also have I think from a practical standpoint some type of programming that you can at least on a baseline level develop the practices and the skills that are necessary for nation building for sovereignty and autonomy right because if you can't master how to feed you know just your block how can you feed 
you a know, nation. A nation. How can you, if you can't feed one block, how can you feed five? If you can't feed five blocks, how can you feed 20? If you can't feed 20, how can you feed a city? If, if you, you can't, can't feed provide, a city, yeah. how can you feed, you know, a region? If you can't feed a region, how can you feed a state? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all dialectics. It's learning. Like, okay, it was what it was us doing 50 meals first that allowed us to do 125. <laughs> it was us doing 125 meals that allowed us to start saying, oh, now we can start implementing these hygiene packs. It was implementing, it was implementing hygiene packs that allowed us to say, okay, now we can do 300 meals. It was doing 300 meals that allowed us to say, okay, now we can start doing shoes. Now we can start doing clothes. It was that that said, okay, now we can do a health clinic. It was doing political education between ourselves that said, okay, now we can do political education for a central committee. It was doing political education for a central committee that says, okay, now we have the function to expand this. Now we can do it for membership. It was that that said, okay, now we can do it for a broader community, right? And it's like literally just the practical skills that are developed through trial and error, and not just the skills, also the, um, the, I, I guess like the mindset and the understanding, right, of how you should be looking at things in terms of development. The trial and error. Yeah. It's going to shift through action. It's going to shift through going outside and testing your hypothesis. You might think feeding this one area is good, but then you realize once you try to feed that area that there's already four other groups doing it at the same time as you. <laughs> it's trial and error. That's, that's a process. Uh, that's a scientific process of change. Trial and error. Trial and error. Trial and error. And building systems, building autonomous systems, autonomous institutions that work towards ending Euro-American control. That's the process of revolution. That's the process of building this class struggle that we are in now. And that's a process that the Black Panther Party understood. And now we have to understand the evolution of that, which is decolonization programs. There's a reason why Panthers evolved into new Africans, conscious citizens of new Africa. There's a reason. <laughs> Right, because everything happens in epochs and time periods, and everything evolves. Everything Develop. grows. We ain't brand new. We ain't brand new doing this. We just learning from a certain blueprint. We learning from history. So, do so. your research on the Panthers, man, especially the New African Panthers, because that's what they developed into. That's they developed into, man. I gotta do our research on them, and don't allow people to, you know, reduce them into um, gun slinging, crazy niggas with no ideology behind it. <laughs> And do not, uh, for, for a damn show, don't allow them to reduce them Just to into charities. charities or social <laughs> services. And for a <laughs> damn show, don't allow them to reduce them to black leather coats and berets. They were revolutionaries. They are revolutionaries. For y'all, the Panthers, still behind walls. Shout out to BLA. Straight up. And uh, I think it's important, you know, we've talked about this already on this podcast about the International Tribunal, the In the Spirit of Mandela Coalition, right? Uh, that's important. If we talk about political prisoners, we talk about the movement, we talk about supporting political prisoners, this is something that all people, all people should be supporting. All people should be supporting uh, this tribunal, right, uh, which is charging genocide against the so-called United States of America, right, because we say so-called because this place has no right to exist. No legal, no moral, no authority to exist at all. This is no, <laughs> it's a stolen land. Let it go, y'all. <laughs> Whatever attachment you have to the concept of America, let it go. It is not real. Let it go. Because it's, it's not gonna real. Is it a construct? We're going to free it eventually, so you might as well let it go. It is a colonial construct. It is a colonial construct. Let it go. Everything you've known to, 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 to be and think about this land and this society as it is governed by the Euro Americans, it is not real. It is a colonial construct. It's every means is to subject the colony to create 
its goods and to consume its exports, its imports, I should say, to create the exports and consume the imports. That is the only goal of quote unquote America. And to expand it, to expand this subjugation, to expand this socioeconomic and political stance, to expand it across the world through what we talked about earlier, coups, military setups in places like Africa. Corporate setups throughout the continent. It's the only goal. Its goal is money and domination and subjugation. That is the goal of America. And in, and if you ain't down with the inter- international tribunal, you are down with what I just named. You are down with subjecting uh, oppressed people everywhere to the creation and the exploitation of their labor to manifest uh, goods to be exported to other colonies. And for those exports to be imported to the other colonies and consumed by the other colonial subjects. If you are not with the tribunal, that's what you're down for. You are down for exploitation and subjugation, period. You're down for exploitation and subjugation in America. You're down for exploitation and subjugation in the West Indies. You're down for exploitation and subjugation in South America. You're down for exploitation and subjugation in the Middle East. You're down for exploitation and subjugation in fucking Africa. And soon you're going to be down for exploitation and subjugation on Mars, nigga. The way that these niggas is going. Straight up, The way that these niggas is going. The moon and Mars, nigga. (laughs) On Saturn, you're going to be down for that. If you are not down with the tribunal, which is hand-in-hand with putting an end to imperialism, to colonization, to exploitation and domination, that's what this calls for. If we can get this recognized as the new African experience, as the indigenous, the Native American experience, as Genocide. genocide. We can start to chip away at the powers of the Euro-American. And at the very least, if the UN won't recognize it, then we can at the very least what do a class, do a class struggle, raise the consciousness of people everywhere. Because we don't need the government to back this. We need the people. Straight up. And this is, this is part of international politics. And this is the territory that we're in. If we're going to charge genocide against the so-called United States, we have to bring it to the United Nations. Right? Nation states is the game. That's cute cute shit. We got to play the game. (laughs) Straight up. Right? And if we need to... To even have a shot. We we, we are going to need international uh, support from other nation states to end the genocide of our people. To end the uh, uh, European colonization of the land. The stealing of the land. The stealing of the resources. Right? So we have to bring this to the United Nations Especially if we talk about statehood, right? Nation states is a game. We want Kush, nigga. We want the black belt. We want the Republic of New Africa as our own nation state to be independent and to be sovereign where we free the land from Euro-American control. So we have to bring these issues to the United Nations. If we understand the international terrain, if we understand that we have a right to a national identity, if we understand that we are under genocidal conditions, we have the right to self-govern and we have the right to overthrow a genocidal regime, right? So I think before we uh, dive in deeper, it's important for us to understand the conditions of genocide that the United Nations, uh, the, that's according to international UN law, right? Mm-hmm. So it's killing the members of a group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. Again, in whole or in part. Uh, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. We as new Africans, we as oppressed people, 
we know for a fact <laughs> that we is under genocide. We know for a fact, they right? Kill members of the group. Whether you talking about uh, fucking um, the KKK or you talking about OPD, killing members of the group, or the slave masters, mm-hmm. lynching our people on the plantation, right? Talking about the genocide towards indigenous people, the removal of them from their own land. Right. We're talking about new African youth being forced into foster care because of the uh, plantation in- industrial complex, the prison industrial complex. Right. We're talking about black, brown and indigenous women being forcibly sterilized. Right. We're talking about more black men under correctional control than Jim Crow. The new of- plantation. <laughs> so what happens if you have a whole generations, uh, 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 generations of black men taken away from their community? What happens? We know what happens. The population stalls. The, the growth rate is not at the same as other populations, right? You said deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated bring to bring apart to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. What do you call the ghettos? What do you call the masses of black people? Environmental racism. <laughs> what do you call uh, the educational the education system? Do that sound like does does that not sound like the conditions of life calculated to? bring about our demise for us not to have health care for us to be unemployed straight up this to be uneducated what else would you describe settler colonialism what else would you describe slavery what else would you describe the the massacre the and the killings of millions of our people millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of our people that's genocide Right, so the, the in spirit of the Mandela Coalition is charging six points, right? And I, I think it's important that people understand that, you know, especially as we talk about the Republic of New Africa, this has been in coalition with indigenous people, mm-hmm. right? In coalition, in work. So people always want to be like, oh, you're an anti-indigenous for wanting to free the land and have independence and sovereignty. It's no, we've been in coalition with indigenous people and some of our people are indigenous as well. Black Seminoles, mm-hmm. right? We know that black folks escape the plantations and where'd they go? New Africans escape the plantations and where'd they go? You know, it was meeting with tribes, intermixing with tribes. And shit, it ain't, it ain't about blood quantum either. So stop being a eugenicist. <laughs> Straight up. But the, the six charges, right, is the racist killings of black, brown, and indigenous people, the hyper-incarceration of black, brown, and indigenous people, the political incarceration of civil rights and national liberation era revolutionaries and activists, as well as present-day activists, the environmental racism and its impact on black, brown, and indigenous people, public health racism and disparities and their impact on black, brown, and indigenous people, and the genocide of black, brown, indigenous people as a result of the historic Systemic charges of all the above, right? It's a genocide, and that's 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 what needs to be charged, and that's what is being charged. And there's a history, right? We charge genocide, Robeson and Patterson, right? So this is carrying that legacy on and taking it to the next steps as uh, movements have evolved, right? And understanding as the a struggle has evolved, understanding processes and understanding the terrain, and this is what it brings us to: the terrain calls. For the United States to be charged with genocide, it it causes for us to use our international rights. It causes for us to use our, you know, this isn't just a civil rights issue. It's a human rights issue. Like we're talking about human rights here. Genocide is more than, than reform. It's more than representation. This shit is about livelihood and survival and not going extinct. 
period. That's what this is about. It's, it's a lot deeper than any civil right that they could try to, uh, you know, uh, end racism now us into being. This is it's, this is a lot more than any DEI that they could bring about. It's a lot more than any corporate ploy that they could bring about. This is about the survival of new Africans and essentially all oppressed peoples, all third world peoples, not just new Africans, indigenous folks, Africans. The U.S. is the biggest purveyor of violence throughout the world. The biggest purveyor of destruction of terrorism throughout the world. If the U.S. is found guilty of genocide, that means there's international implications as well. It gives us, we already know we have a, a human, a God-given right to resist oppression. That, that, that is our human right. No law could ever say anything different. But this will give us an international law, which will allow us to resist this genocidal terrorist occupation and allow for international aid to help support the ending of a genocide. Exactly. Like you said, like we don't need the law to say this because God makes it so. But the law also <laughs> does say this. The law says. International law also. International, <laughs> international law says that um, those being, uh, what would you call it? Those being. Deprived of a national identity, be, be have the right to. You have the right. That is your human right to resist genocide. It's our human it right to have African a right national to fight identity. Back. It is the new African right to fight back. And anyone says that we don't have a right to fight back, you was complicit, and you are a part of our genocide. And anyone who not fighting back is complicit. Straight up, because as some, our, we're complicit. If we ain't fighting back against our own oppression. We 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 is complicit. Right, if we think about the destruction that the U.S. is bringing across the whole world, right, the, the international community is waiting for us to wake up, for us to fight back here in the belly of the beast. And it wouldn't be the first time. What did we just spend, you know, the first thirty minutes of this podcast talking about? It's not the first time we standing up, and it ain't gonna be the last time either. As long as there's oppression, new Africans will fight back. That's so history. We got a history of fighting. We got a history of resistance, and don't let them tell you otherwise. And this is just the element of that fighting is learning how to play the game because this all this is is a game and we got to know how to play it and let's use let's play their game the way that they're telling us to and if that shall fail then we will exercise other options and if nation states is a game it makes sense for us to go to the international community because how do you get recognized do you get recognized the united nations and the ability to enter capacity and other relations with other states happens at the united nations happens with building with other nations if we want statehood this is a natural stepping stone for uh, new African independence. It's part of this. It's just part of that of that process. It's, it's common sense too. <laughs> if you came to me and was like, "Bro, I want to be the best football player to ever play," and then the first day we get to the field, you bring basketball shoes and a basketball. I'm like, the "Fuck, is you talking about? Is you serious? No, you know you can't be serious at all." And so, how can we be serious about our sovereignty, our independence, our freedom? If we're not playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, that is just that it don't that, anything but anything but an objective. Uh, we aren't stand. idealists. We ain't yeah. romantics, nigga. We we deal with scientific facts and processes and dialectical materialism. This is the dialectical process, right? So make sure you know you uh, go to spiritofmandela.org uh, to register. Go to tanyorail.com/spiritofmandela. And the tribunal will be taking place on Friday, October 22nd to Monday, October 25th. You feel me? And it's a place where the people who was building, the people who was going there, like we're able to now build, right? And take that philosophy of we are own liberators and take it back to our own respective communities, right? 
start building Frelanon, right? Because we understand fundamentally that whatever happens, we are going to build decolonization programs. Whatever happens, we are going to build the front for, for the liberation of the new African nation. Whatever happens, we are still going to engage in class struggle. <laughs> Those are the facts. Those are the facts. But this is a stepping stone, and this is a process, right? So we encourage all people to tap in Friday, October 22nd through October 25th. You can watch it on Zoom. Uh, tell, tell the people that this is a historic event if we're talking about sovereignty, if we're talking about self-government, if we're talking about national independence.